Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast, episode 57. I'm your host, David Michael. With me is Trip Turlington. What's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing Feel- all right. Feeling man. pretty good today? Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, we're Tony List once again. He is at the Breakaway Festival in Columbus, Ohio, working with Prime Social Group. Hopefully, having some fun, but probably just working a lot. <laughs> I would guess. <laughs> I would imagine that's a little bit of both, fun and work. <laughs> yeah, I should have gone and got some behind-the-scenes footage or something of right. stagehand work. I want to do that sometime. Try oh, to get yeah. some little clips of behind-the-scenes stuff of larger scale events. I think that would be kind of cool. Just put a GoPro on his hat. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Tony Camp. (laughs) Laserware.com. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of, I guess, complacency and kind of falling into a routine when it comes to uh, our DJ careers and creativity and everything that comes in with this whole music thing. Sure. Um, uh, Falling into the comfort zone. Uh, getting getting too comfortable with where you are, and as a result, you know the negative effects that come from that. Whether that's getting jaded, becoming bored, you know, losing interest, and and that kind of thing. Um, so you have to show up. You have to put in the hours. You have to develop your craft. Right? There's no way around that if you want to be good at what you do. But an artist must continually make moves in order to develop and to direct their creative energy towards something productive. So, for instance, an illustrator, um, if you draw the same character over and over and over again, it doesn't necessarily make you a better artist. It may make you better at drawing that thing, you know, whether that's Mickey Mouse or Sonic the Hedgehog or a car or whatever it is. You'll get really good at drawing that thing, but it doesn't necessarily make you a better artist overall. Uh, or at least you will hit diminishing returns. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, when you get extremely comfortable in your DJing, you can just as easily become extremely bored. So I guess um, what I'm trying to prevent is, you know, people start to wonder why you even, you know, that why am I mixing other people's music and calling it something creative? You know, it just it very quickly can become mundane if you're not, challenging yourself or if you know if it's just not doing it for you right um so i i guess where i want to start here is um maybe some stories like uh are there any points maybe trip in your life or in your dj career where you've kind of fallen into this routine i know you we talked uh in the last episode or two about uh retirement oh yeah and, um you know and periods of time where uh, you just kind of leveled out or weren't feeling it or whatever. Um, could you maybe take us to one of those points and, oh, sure. and tell us how maybe that happened? I would say it was probably maybe 2005-ish, maybe 2000, yeah, probably about 2005. So I'm just now getting interested at this point. Just, really? Yeah. Yeah. In the um, timeline there. For me, I... You know, I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it a billion times um, on this show alone that after 2003, you know, this area experienced such a a severe decline in events, quality of events, and um, in attendance at events. And 
as a result of that, the next couple of years were really hard for everybody. Um, you know, DJs that, you know, had previously been friends were bickering at each other and fighting over gigs and, you know, all of that, all of that type of stuff. And there were, um, just, it, it was a, truly dog eat dog type of thing. And that became a, a serious hustle, not because there were so many gigs that everybody was out there trying to vie for, but because there were no gigs and, mm. and everybody was trying to hang on to what little bit they could. It's a lot more supply than demand. I'm oh saying. yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you couple that <clears throat> with, a with, when you couple that with a point of time in my life where, um, I, I had done exactly what, what you have said, um, in, in your opening there is that, um, I, I did become complacent. I stopped pushing myself. It was, I was getting more frustrated with the scene and the lack thereof and all of the drama that like was coming from it than I was uh, interested in, in keeping up myself as a DJ, if that makes any yeah. sense. I had, you know, all this confidence in, in what I could do, you know, when it came to being a DJ and getting behind some decks and all of that. But um, it, what I didn't have confidence in was showing up and knowing that there was going to be a crowd to play for. You know, so... Um, and then there were even times where it was like, uh, I'm actively trying to get gigs mm. and these promoters are like, you know, basically getting everybody in a race to the bottom as far mm. as, you know, what will you play for? or What won't you play for? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, when it went from, you know, several hundred dollars to a few hundred dollars to, a hundred dollars to 50 bucks on a bar tab to just a bar tab. Like, can we, can we freeze there for a second? Because sure. like, you know, we, we bring up this idea of playing for free and not getting paid enough as DJs. And right. this is a common type of conversation in our, uh, in our scene, but, yeah. uh, it's not just necessarily I, for some people it is, you know, it was their livelihood. It was how, you know, I know for a while that was your job was, yep. you know, yep. income from that. That's not always the case, but it's um, when you have a situation where you see that, where you're getting paid five hundred or a thousand dollars or whatever it is, right. and then you're getting paid four hundred, and then you're getting paid a hundred bucks, and then you're getting paid fifty bucks, and then will you play for free? It'll be great exposure. After all that, <laughs> you know, right. um, it has a way of of devaluing. Um, giving even a perception of it being devalued. So it's right. it's not just that, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. I need to be making $500 or right. whatever. It's, man, nobody wants this. Like, you know, there, that that has an, a mental effect on you as an artist. You yeah, know? absolutely. Uh, or at least on me it does. Absolutely. Like, I take a different stance than a lot of people um, when it comes to the value of the craft and – um, for me, I don't mind playing for free if I'm helping to advance uh, somebody or some group 
of people that is doing something good and trying to build something. And of course, and, we say that, or you say that as somebody who's involved in a local uh, music scene, right? Um, with common interest, you right. know, right? Uh, just to clarify that for some of our other, you know, other types of DJs right. that might be in our right. audience, you know, we're talking about that kind of local club music scene, right? With a, with a tight knit network, for yes, sure. Yes. And so then when I do play outside of my network, then I do expect something, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't drive to Chicago and play for free. (laughs) Right, right. So let's, let's table that for now. We'll come back to that. I thought about this and it seems like there's, there's kind of two different places where, uh, if you start getting into that comfort zone, and I guess I should specify when I say comfort zone, we really are talking about complacency or so in, in other words, uh, this is good enough right? kind of thinking, yep. right? So it's not that um, you're doing what you're good at kind of comfort. It's blah, right. you know, I'm just here. I'm apathy. I'm, yeah, apathy, yeah. exactly, <laughs> right. Um, there are two major areas in which that really can affect you as a DJ. And the, the first one is the, the creative side, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that artistry will just suffer if you're not pushing the envelope, you know, and the other side is, uh, your overall success in that field. So by success, you know, however you measure that success, whether that's you earn a steady income by DJing or you, uh, enjoy it or consistently play X gigs over a certain amount of time. Yeah, exactly. What, however you measure that success, um, if you get too comfortable, you can probably only maintain that for so long before you don't really consider it success anymore or you never really seem to get there because you're not, I guess, putting the time and putting the effort in. Right. Um, so kind of I wanted to attack some of the uh, the creative angle initially. Yeah. Um, so in my case, I'm I'm the type of DJ that is, I guess you would say, the selector. You know, I I tend to pick all my tracks and try to do the whole storytelling through mixes, the, the take them on a journey and whatever cliche you want to insert here. Sure. Uh, try to build kind of a cohesive flow and, and product out of individual tracks. Uh, occasionally I'll screw around with other things, effects and loops. And you know, I, I use a fair amount of loops uh, for this reason or that, you know, right. getting through long breakdowns or whatever. <laughs> um, and some, you know, little live mashups and stuff occasionally if I'm feeling saucy. But in general, I, I base my DJing around, I'm just, I'm, I'm the, the human brain that's selecting, that's reacting to whatever's happening and selecting the music and blending it all together in a way that I think is cool or makes sense. Okay. Um, but there are obviously there are a lot of other kinds of DJs. You know, there's more exhibitionist, you know, scratch cut loop DJ craze A track types. Yeah. Uh, there's the uh, the radio DJ, and conversely the internet radio DJ, which is what it is now. You know, <laughs> right, for right. the most part. Um, shout out Silent Gloves, <laughs> still keeping it real. Right. Um, Power85.com for anybody listening. He has a great show called Project Friday Radio. Check it out. Um, but whether you're that kind of A to B transition DJ like I am, um, 
you know, a live remixer, turntablist, or, or whatever, anything in between, uh, there's always more room to do it more creatively, right? right? So even though, quote, all I'm doing is picking tracks, if that's all I do in the day, I, I still feel that I can make that better. And that probably confuses a lot of non-DJs and probably about half of our actual DJ audience. But <laughs> um, to me, that's the most important part is in most scenarios, unless you are, you know, hey, you're going to watch this five or ten minute scratch routine. Obviously, that's something different. Right. Um, but to me, that's the most important part is that track selection and programming and, and stuff, and especially for the style of DJing I do. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is try to ask myself how I can how I can more creatively and effectively do that, you know, reach whatever my goal is for that set. Um, and so one tip that I have is to to set aside actual practice sessions for your DJing, which probably also confuses people unless they're a scratch and cutting type of DJ. Because like, why would I practice picking tracks? Okay. Oh man, no. That, if, if I can interject there, absolutely. That was like. For me, uh, especially in the beginning, that was like the best part. Like, you know, because when when I reached a certain level, um, I was able to, you know, not work, you know, so I was able to make my my living off of DJing for a couple few years. And and by doing that, you know, I spent most of my time in record shops. Hmm. And when I spent time in record shops, you know, then that allowed me to like really take my time. And it, instead of, you know, showing up to a record shop with a hundred bucks and just pick the top 10 hottest tracks right. that, you know, were in that week, you know, I could take like say five of the <laughs> hottest ones for that Trip week. Was skipping the top 10 before it was cool. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you go crate digging and, and, go looking for those obscure tracks or tracks that have like the, um, the particular samples that you, that, you know, that you really connect with and stuff like that. And then getting all that stuff home. I mean, that was most of my day, you know, there for a while is, you know, okay. Not just picking which songs sound good with which one in the mix, because, you know, as we all know, uh, anybody who's got any remote understanding of music theory knows that not any two tracks will always, you know, mix well together. Um, but what uh, what I really love to do was exactly what you were talking about is creating that story. So whether it was, um, you know, I picked out like a word or a phrase or an idea and all of the titles had something to do with that idea or, you know, some kind of a progression from the start to the end or, um, you know, that, that audio journey, um, where you, I had a formula, you know, that I kind of came up with where it was, you know, you had your attention getters for your first couple few tracks, but not, not full on bangers. And then, you know, with, 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 um, you know, trance there, that's such a wide net that you can cast out, you know, so a couple of, you know, tracks to get people involved, but then, you know, the, the middle of my mixes were generally pretty heady. Like Mm. you had to really, you know, like 
true trance or, you know, t- more techier, loopier, just stuff that will like take you somewhere and allow that audio journey to take you somewhere else. And then for like the last three or four songs, maybe five or six, depending on the mix and what was hot at that time. And then really, you know, allow that to, you know, take off and then bring you out of that, that really deep part of a mix and, 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 you know, finish you off, you know, but there for a while it was the, the, the creativity was lost and, you know, part of it was environmental. Um, part of it was, um, uh, the, the tracks that were coming out after a certain time. It was, I don't know if it was just that my formula got stale or if the music itself got stale or because it wasn't as popular of a genre after a while that, you know, uh, I, I wasn't seeing, uh, or I didn't feel as good about what I was putting yeah. out. And she had some external factors coming in. Absolutely. We weren't necessarily just like, I'm kind of bored with doing this. <laughs> I have been bored. mixing. Right. But. I have been bored before that, that, I mean, I think that happens to everybody at yeah. some point, but, um, but yeah, like just go ahead. So, uh, well, I was just going to say, um, you know, it, calling it practice, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily that you're learning to do a new thing, right? So maybe I'm like, I just do this kind of A to B style of mixing. I'm not really feeling it anymore. It's I'm feeling uninspired, so I need to do something else. So I guess it's time to learn how to scratch. Okay. Right, right. Um, which is kind of actually what I'm doing right now. <laughs> it was like, but it was more because like, I just feel like I want to explore more. I was excited about it. Right, but, right. Um, so, you know, when I say practice, um, it, it could be, uh, for instance, you know, take, uh, only mix in key. Maybe you don't normally mix in key and, mm-hmm. you know, so set aside an hour or two and be like, I'm only going to mix in key because that's just not something I do out and see what you can do with that because that, that opens up new possibilities. Right. You know? Um, maybe it could be, here's one. Um, actually I had to do this live, um, get just like a random handful of music you've never heard or seen or know anything about before <laughs> and say, I'm going to mix this for two hours, whether it sucks or not. You know what I mean? I've, I've had to do the same thing. <laughs> Quick story on that. I, 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 at one point I kept everything on, on an external hard drive and this was before flash memory. Um, so it was a, a, a true spinning arm external hard drive. Right. Um, and You're so old. I know. God. Hard drives used to move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm totally dating myself. <laughs> Records, spinning arm hard drives. What is this guy? Uh, 70? <laughs> Trip's first set of CDJs had a five and a quarter inch floppy and he just stuck in the top. <laughs> Actually, my first CDJ was the CDJ 100. Okay. 100S or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. had 700s, which were uh, from 1994 or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was... Uh, the U.S. version of the 500. It was top loading and it had like it was like clunk. You had to close it from you know, like a clamshell, right? Yeah, Sorry, these, go ahead. those were fortunate. The 100s were uh, fortunately, loading, yeah, yeah, slot loaders. But yeah, but um, but yeah. So I show up at this gig and uh, I tripped or su- bumped into somebody or something, and I the hard drive fell out of my hands, and as it was headed for the floor, and I'm like. No, 
<laughs> hits the floor, dead in the water, oh. like totally done. So um, thankfully, um, somebody else had their laptop and was like, here, you can play my music. And I'm, of course, first thing out of my mouth, what do you play? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they named off a couple of genres that I felt fairly confident with. It was a little bit more houseier, electro-y than I, I typically liked, but, um, but, you know, I still ended up playing it and everybody seemed to enjoy it. But, <laughs> and a few people were like, that's not the stuff you typically play. Yeah, well, <laughs> so something very similar happened to me this, this year. I were talking within a few months ago. Really? Um, I hope Tony doesn't mind me bringing this up. I'm calling myself out more than him, but, <laughs> right. um, so we were, I was getting ready to go on. I was following a, a friend of ours and, uh, normally, when I play uh, a three-dimensional show, which is you know, Tony's uh, co-owner of this uh, local promotions company, um, I was going up and I was setting up, and I normally play with Tractor in HID mode through CDJs. So there's gotcha. you know the two CD the the typical Nexus setup yep. is up there, and uh, somewhere along the you know I've done this zillions of times. I do it at Tony's house all the time. Mm-hmm. I do it at the club all the time, the same exact setup I've played on all the time. Um, and I plugged it in and it was like, you know, the, the little window popped up and it was like, what Pioneer DJM 900? And I was like, the one right there that you obviously <laughs> popped up a window for. What do you mean? What, you know, it was, and there was some kind of driver conflict. Something got updated along the line and oh, I didn't discover no. it until I was getting ready to go on. Right. So yeah, my fault for not having a, a backup uh, oh, drive with me or something, which I <laughs> normally like to do and preach about. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, we sat and filled with it for a while and I'm like, uh, I tell you what, man, I'm like, have uh, the guy that was on before me, I'm like, have him play for another five or 10 minutes. I do have a jump drive. It's just not prepared. I'll just grab some tracks and I'll throw it on there and I'll make it work. You know, I'll just play straight on the CDJ. It's no big deal. And, uh, we started going down that path and we just ended up finding out like Tony's stuff was already up and ready to go. And we just needed to buy a few minutes. And he's like, uh, here, just have at it. And so I'm like, okay. Cause we were both kind of in panic mode. Like, uh, the person that was on is a DJ producer who plays only his own stuff. So he could very well run out. Right. You know, <laughs> so it was like a oh, finite okay. collection there. So he's like, uh, here, this is tech house. This is, da, 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 da. and so it was like, obviously not ideal to do this in a live environment. That's not what I'm right, <laughs> suggesting, but, right. uh, but it was kind of interesting. I made it totally made it work. And, yeah. you know, me and Tony have compatible enough sounds to where I can, right. you know, work with that but it was kind of funny it was just <laughs> that that panic moment where but outside, anything but silence anything but silence yeah. <laughs> right right <laughs> but outside of a live environment i think that's a, a a really valuable thing to to uh to suggest because you know for for all the you know records that i had amassed over over that amount of time and you know you once you do something long enough and you get your thousand hours, I think is what they right. consider, you know, for, to master something. And once you feel you've gotten to that point, it's very easy to say, okay, I've got this mm-hmm. and now I can do it anytime. And, uh, you know, I'm just as guilty of that. You know, yeah. I don't, 
even today, I don't really push myself at home to try new things because I'm kind of happy with what I know and what I do, but that has gotten me in trouble, uh, Mm. in, in the past. Um, I feel comfortable that if I show up to any gig, I know that I can play on turntables. I know I can play on CDJs. I know I can play on a controller. The show I, will go on. Right. I, I can I can play on Tractor. I can play on Serato. I can play on um, um, Pioneer DJ um, or, or Rekordbox. Um, the thing for me, though, was that because I do what I do, and once you kind of figure out and you get comfortable with certain sounds, you know what you can get away with, you mm. know, you know, and, and a, a to B mixing is not rocket science, you know? So once, once you've kind of figured out, you know, your, your realm, your ecosphere, you, you, you get pretty comfortable with being able to maneuver through that. Um, but like technology in itself, uh, I can remember, you know, in in recent memory, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was a Serato user, but all I did was replace my my record bag with it. Everything else, yeah. I still did the same. I didn't use cue points. I didn't use loops. I didn't use any of that stuff. And, um, you know, but because I became that complacent, I didn't really push myself to learn all of that functionality. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those cases where um, I guess I never want to find myself in a position where I'm like, okay, I've learned DJing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, I'm done now. Right. You know, like, like, there's always, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather take whatever kind of DJing and whatever my style is and, and become the best at that. And, right. you know, even if all it is is doing that selectory kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, here's a question. When you're just playing at home, you mm-hmm. know, nobody's around, uh, you know, wife's out of the house, whatever. Right. Do you, do you like, envision an audience? Do you, yeah. Like in your mind's eye? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I do too. I was just it, curious. It, it helps me to do that because... because um, most of the time, I do most of my practicing leading up to a gig. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing all of my practicing and I'm, you know, getting myself, you know, all uh, worked up and and trying to figure out what what I'm going to play or um, what I think people will be into and all of that stuff, um, it very much helps me to envision. Uh, you know, maybe not to any length or detail, but just like you said, in in your mind's eye, just kind of pretend that there's people instead of a wall in front of me. For sure, yeah, I I definitely I I find it hard not to do that anymore. Like I just it, the association is is there so much that I'm right. like, occasionally I'll just play music that I want to hear, but it's I find it almost impossible to turn off that. What what would 
some certain kind of crowd want to hear next Mm. in this context, like whatever context I, my mind is conjured up, you know, I might be envisioning that I'm in a, you know, dirty rave or a, you know, festival or usually it's, it's kind of funny. I'm just envisioning I'm with like 50 of my buddies, (laughs) you know, (laughs) probably because I I know they'll all be receptive, but yeah, I guess my, my point with that, with like the, the, the practice thing is, there's there's always something you can add to your toolbox, right? And right. the the more stuff that you have like that, the more um, I guess tools or the the more things in your arsenal, um, the more the more choices you can reject. You know what I mean in the moment. So uh, you're you're making decisions out of you know a set of options rather than just defaulting right, I guess right. if that makes sense yeah I know it's kind of a weird way to put it I'm, uh, not, I'm having trouble putting the words together there but I think it, I mean correct why me. not broaden your horizons right yeah I think what what you're kind of I mean and correct me if I'm wrong but I think what you're kind of getting at is is avoiding what I had said earlier like when I found a formula and kept applying that formula to Mm. mixing in general, whether it was for myself at home or for a promo mix or for, um, a, uh, or for a crowd, you know, because it was, it was, you know, like I, I, I described it before. That's pretty much what it was all across the board. And it, and and I did it a lot because it worked, but then because I got stuck into that, like, you know, I never, really tried to just go an hour of full on bangers or Mm. an hour and a half or two hours of just really deep, nothing that anybody's really going to, you know, um, be able to connect with, you know, stuff without noticeable vocals and, uh, you know, anything that's just really heady for like two hours, you know I mean? I would do some of that stuff for myself or if I was with certain people, but like, I always kept falling back to the default and because I kept doing that, then at some point, then yeah, I was started losing the interest. And like I said, I think some of it was that, you know, the music started to suck, but, (laughs) (laughs) but ultimately, you know, you get your, your thousand hours and you become proficient with something and, uh, and then you tend to rely on that. And then it gets hard to think outside of the box. Yeah, so I mean, kind of the idea here is to maybe kind of throw yourself under the bus or set limitation, temporary yeah. limitations for yourself yeah. so that you can learn something. Right. 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 Because what happens to to probably most of us is that we get put in autopilot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And autopilot is the enemy of creativity. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that again because that's important. Yeah. Autopilot is the enemy of creativity. If you can do something in your sleep <laughs> <laughs> or completely flat wasted drunk, you know, right. then maybe it's time to add some new challenge or some new aspect that of 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 whatever it is that you do, but in this context of the show, you know, DJing, you know, what what can you do that will make it so that you're not that comfortable? Right doing what it is that you do and it's not it's not like uh i'm not suggesting go and practice this weekend just 
do nothing but practice mixing songs in key together or mixing tracks you've never heard of before so that you can do that at your gig next Friday. Right. You know, like that's not what I'm getting at. Right. That, you know, creativity is not, it's not just like working out, you know, working from every angle of a possible situation. It's not, it's not just adding stuff, right? More stuff, right? You know, more loops, more effects, more mixing in key, more whatever, yeah. you know, it's, it's having those tools at your disposal and, you know, creativity is about knowing how to use what you've got. Yes, absolutely. To get That's whatever your desired result is. Absolutely. Cause sometimes, uh, it's what you don't do that can mm. also yes. lead to your creativity or to spur creativity. Uh, I was, uh, and, and Tony will be the first one to tell you, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, people that have been really close to me will be the first ones to tell you as well. Um, that when I first, you know, started DJing and, and getting good at it and really starting to play in front of a lot of people, you know, I relied on that, uh, flanger button. Like it was <laughs> like that thing was crack in an IV right. <laughs> going right into my chest. Like it was just, you know, it was just something, and I don't know if it was just something for me to do or because I, I didn't think that it was good enough as it was. And it wasn't until um, uh, a guy that I throw parties with and have DJed with for years, uh, Jason Brooks, uh, a.k.a. Naughty Groove. And he at one point, you know, just said to me flat out, what are you doing? That track is so great. That mix was great. You don't need to cover everything up with a mm. flanger. And I'm like, but it, but, but the yellow button, it, it, it the, the, the yellow button, it, st- <laughs> it starts to blink and it sounds all woo, <laughs> you know. And and well, it, it's that a was very visceral. Like people can, they see you push the button and something happens that's noticeable. They right. can react to it and then you push it again and it stops and right. people no matter what, you know, level, what level of knowledge they have, they know you just, you just did, something did something and I can woo that. <laughs> you know, I get it. You know? Right, I right. I think we all have those, that kind of influence, you know, right. that, that makes us want to do the, and some of that's okay too. Sure. It, I mean, time and place, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a such thing as overusing it and I definitely overused it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, back to that point. I mean, just sometimes it's what you don't do that will help push that, that, um, that push you to, uh, that envelope of, of what it means to be pushing your creative, you your know, it's, creativity. It, it's hard to, to go too far into this conversation without bringing up technology, right? Sure. Because I think a lot of what happens is stuff comes out like, uh, you know, tractor and, and Serato and virtual DJ and all these things. And mm-hmm. suddenly we have sync buttons and loops and oh, quantization yeah. and all this stuff And it. More buttons, more buttons. Well, it is, <laughs> but it's not just that. I mean, it also speaks to the, um, how we, that autopilot thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I have an S4 now, so I'll just let my tracks sync because well, I don't have anything to prove. So why would I manually beat match it? And, you right. know, this, you wouldn't be the first person to have that thought process sure. if you've ever thought that before. Right. Like that's common, right? Right. right. Um, the curse of the digital DJ, but uh, the um, I always try to like constantly ask myself, like, why am I, why am I grabbing this loop? Why am I activating this effect? You know, is there some purpose, or am I just 
hitting stuff to look like I'm busy. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that that might be what shifted a lot of people towards uh, being that uh, complacent, you know. It's, well, I don't have anything to learn now. I, I, I busted my ass to learn how to mix on two belt-driven turntables, and I've carried crates of records, and I did the whole thing. And <laughs> I peeled both ways in the snow. <laughs> right. <laughs> but now it's all done for, for me. me. Right. So what do I do? Right. And some people gave it up. Some people adjusted, and that level of adjustment varies. You right. know, some people just kind of jumped onto that and said, well, this is what DJing is now. Yep. Um, I guess I would just prefer to say, okay, what do I do with those CPU cycles that my brain has freed up now? Right. And it doesn't have to be crazy tricks. Right, right. You know? It, yep. I've, it, I've had that conversation, and I won't, uh, I, I won't name any names, but, um, you know, I, I, one person in particular that, you know, I know listens, um, you know, that we had that conversation because I used to be that anti-sync guy. Like, you know, well, what do you do then? You know, what do you do with your time? And, but you know, what's the point? And, um, it wasn't until I really had uh, a conversation with this guy cause I really, really look up to him. And, um, when he said, yeah, I use sync button all the time. Fuck him. you know and it wasn't until that brashness from somebody that i look up to you know just came right out and 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 we're good friends so you know and as we're talking through it and he was like look that's just one less thing that i have to worry about you know i can take my time to purposefully add effects or i can you know, go and grab another loop Mm. and think more about how I'm going to layer things together rather than sit there and babysit four turntables, you know, to make sure that everything stays in perfect time. Instead, I already know it's in perfect time. So now what can I do now that that's just taken, taken care of for me? Um, and, and be able to put more thought into the looping or, you know, what other audio elements, sampling, all of that stuff. Yeah. What, what can I do with this now? His mind never went to, oh, I bet I could chug a beer before this song is over. Yeah, and, and I guess that's, that's what kills me in the whole format wars debate, and I don't want to go down sure, that rabbit sure, hole sure. too far. But right, right. Um, that that is kind of the thing. Once we got to that point, and you heard people say, "Well, now what do I do?" Right. Then it's like, "Well, wait a second. What were you doing before? Were we just all standing around watching you beat match? Is that what this whole scene is based around?" <laughs> right. You well, and, that, I mean? and that's exactly. Yeah, that's the whole reason I I even brought all that up. Not to talk about formatting, or, or the format wars, but to talk about that lack of complacency in that person for that particular subject when we talk about, you know, the role that technology is playing. Just because there's a sync button did not stop him from saying, you know, okay, cool, this does this for me. That's what I used to do, you know, with X amount of time in between tracks. So now what can I do? He pushed himself to say, okay, because technology does this, now I can do this. Um, But I think, and, you know, conversely, so many people did take that angle, but then they're like, okay, now that the computer is automating all this stuff, I have to do all this (laughs) other 
sure. minutiae and, and <laughs> right. effects and make it interesting and make it look like I'm doing stuff up there because it's what I'm supposed to do. Right, right. People are here to watch a human do things, you yeah, know? Yeah, And so it becomes this... Uh, it's a balancing act, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, final point I wanted to make uh, from the creativity angle, because we're, we're running kind of late here, but, um, you know, if you're if you're comfortable in your own methods and techniques, you're you're really not accessing the most creative parts of your brain. And that seems to me like a really easy way to stunt your growth as an artist. So, um, yeah, try to get out of that comfort zone, try some new things, and see if you can build your, your tool set. Right. Um, even if you don't use it, because it might just be enough to get you back interested again. Because the... The funny thing is about when you start learning new things, it has a way of inspiring you. Right. You know, so Absolutely. it might not be, man, I took that weekend and I only did blah, 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 and now I do that in every set. <laughs> it might be, you know, I did that and it got me thinking about this really cool mix series and I fleshed it out into, you know, um, three parts and it's going to be a whole thing and I've got the outwork pla- artwork planned out, you know, right. and you never know where that can lead. Exactly. So it's just that kind of keeping yourself interested and stimulated in that musical way. Yep. Uh, no arguments there. <laughs> obviously, the other side is the the success angle. So this is the, the uh, success that you have, you know, like we said at the beginning, however you measure that success as an artist. Um, so as we, we kind of touched on, you know, diversifying your, you know, tool set or however you want to put that, your skill set. Right. Um, and the more diverse that portfolio is, the more kind of useful you are as a DJ. So if you're trying to, if your problem is that you're just not getting gigs and that's all that interests you is playing live and you're not getting that. So you're losing interest. Well, how, how, um, <laughs> limited is your criteria for playing shows? Right. And right. you know, it's okay to have limitations, but are you saying I will only play for this person at this price at this time slot at this, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You could take that to any degree. To, to the nth degree for sure. Um, but if you have had a lot of experience mixing different types of music, for example, um, so just to give a personal example, uh, for me that was lounge type gigs or you know, the other type of odd job kind of gigs that I've brought up before with fashion shows and and things like that, because I played around with other kinds of music that I normally didn't do. It gave me a, it gave me an in to try other kinds of gigs that weren't just trying to compete with my other DJ friends for the same time slots for no money. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) Oh, wait a second. Nobody else is playing like R and B edits and, blues and deep house <laughs> at restaurant lounges. Right. I'm great at that, yeah. I found. So that gave me an angle and it was still it was a way for me to keep doing what I do and not feel like I was selling out cuz now suddenly I'm I'm still using my my artistry to do that. Right. You know, and I'm still not I don't feel like I'm compromising. I feel like I'm doing something new. Right. Whereas for for like me, like uh I tried the wedding thing for a while, a couple of corporate gigs, that sort of stuff. And um, because the gigs that I I was doing in that, 
you know, every one of those were looking for something very specific as far as a playlist was concerned. So that didn't give me a whole bunch of wiggle room. And I, I, I didn't do well with that. I did it and I did it especially for friends, um, because I wanted to do something good for my friends. But, um, you know, when the opportunity arose where there were people through word of mouth or whatever, people I didn't know coming to me and saying, Hey, how much do you charge for weddings? And da da da. Nah. Let me direct you to somebody who would be more enthusiastic about yeah. taking your money. <laughs> you yeah. know? Because I mean, anybody in the wedding space knows that wedding gigs pay well. Um, you know, or can right? Uh, yeah, that's somebody's a, gonna ride in and be like, "Well, I only make $150 for five hours." <laughs> right, right, and, and so that's an excellent point. Um, but um, you know, when you're into DJing for a particular reason, or you've got a particular um, uh, set of criteria that you want to stay within, that would make you happy as a DJ, um, then yeah, you, you, you tend to want to stick with, with that. Well, it's another way to, to forge your own path, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think some people will hear advice like that, like forge your own path and they'd be like, Oh, okay. So what I need to do is go out and start my own night at the nightclub and hire my own DJs to do that. Well, that's only kind of sort of thinking outside the box. That's, I mean, that's, barely <laughs> thinking outside of the box. Sure. How about, for instance, uh, well, here, I wrote a tip down. I'll just read it. Okay. Think of 20 off-the-wall places within driving distance of you which have no musical programming whatsoever. Imagine a night that you could put together which would benefit both you and the venue. Come up with a name and a concept for this night. Pitch this night to 20 people. So, for example, perhaps there are five independent coffee shops close to you which have nothing happening on Friday nights. Pitch them your completely fleshed-out concept of deep roast, a presentation of deep house and lounge vibes, and see if they bite. Hmm. So that takes it from, hey, wait a second, I'm not even, I don't have to operate within the club space all the time. Right. I'm good at this other kind of thing. Maybe, you know, maybe there are places that want this sound or right. want this version of my DJing. Yeah. You know, uh, to that point, there was a, um, uh, some friends of mine that, uh, had put together a night at a sushi bar and it was all drum and bass. Like you would never really put those two things together, but it worked like it was, it, and, and the night ran, I believe for a couple of years. And I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, that's funny. I did a sushi gig once. Did you? <laughs> I wasn't playing drum and bass, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I mean, they, they made it work and it was, uh, it was, it was, it was great. It, but it, that's, I think that was part of its charm is that it was unique. It was, it, it was one of those things that brought people in because, you know, oh, I can, I can get some sushi rolls and hear good tunes. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course that, you know, it, it, it you get audience crossover that way. Right. You know, there were p- some people who, uh, you know, would be regular patrons, you know, or, or customers, you know, just people off the street coming in and they hear all this, you know, D and B like, what the heck is, <laughs> but you know, um, but it did introduce some people, you know, to a, a different style of music and it gave 
a, a, a stage and a platform for drum and bass DJs specifically to be able to go somewhere and play because that is a D&B night. Yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. Well, I guess kind of, you know, my, my point there is whether we like it or not and whether we're operating with people that we know and trust and like and whatever, and on some level, we're, we're basically in direct competition with a whole bunch of other people who are comfortable where they are. Right. So the only way to really grow as a DJ or really any kind of artist is to be constantly putting yourself out there on that edge of where you're comfortable. Right. Um, Because otherwise it's very easy. This is where I've often repeated on the show and on the blog, you know, becoming a DJ is easy. (laughs) Okay. That doesn't mean it's easy to be... a master right, of that right, craft. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's a different thing. Yep. It just means there's a low barrier to entry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the barrier's a button. <laughs> the barrier's a button. Well, it's, I mean... Sorry, I had you, to go for the low-hanging fruit there. <laughs> just, it was, the joke was there, set, and spike. Sorry, go well, ahead. <laughs> trying new things makes people uneasy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you can only really advance if you try new things. Yep. So that's a barrier of entry to DJing that technology has not changed. That's true. Yep. It has it has moved the bar, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean, well, everybody's an awesome DJ now. Right. Or it also doesn't mean, well, nobody's an awesome DJ now. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that works both ways. Right. Um. So it's, it's kind of the difference between, you know, are you the kind of person that wants to just show up at work or are you the kind of person that wants to go in there and, and crush it and be the best at what you do in advance and right. climb the ladder yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we were talking a little bit about your experiences in the scene, um, losing interest and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Can I ask how you got that back? Um, or did it, did the interest ever go away from a musical from an artist perspective. So for me, it was, it was a mixture of things. One, it was tampering my expectations. Um, and, um, and that was probably one of the harder things because, you know, like I said, when you're used to playing for, you know, bigger crowds, traveling a lot, you know, within the region and, and, uh, even, you know, reaching out, you know, to some further away States that, um, or a little outside of the Midwest and, and, you know, you, you, when, once you get a taste of that, then it's like, oh, you see the possibilities and you get excited and all of that. And then when you see everything kind of just come crashing down in a, in a fairly, you know, quick, uh, amount of time, it's, um, that, that's, that's kind of soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it was within myself, you know, I had to do a lot of wrestling with, okay, yeah, there's all these external factors and I can bitch about it for a long time. And, um, you know, I could be bitter about it and I can, you know, whatever. But then eventually you got to say, all right, if there's nothing I can do about A, B or C, what can I do about me? Mm-hmm. You know, so how can I shift my perception of what it means to be successful and or creative and 
reapply myself to reach more attainable goals. You know, so here within the Midwest, I was not going to be playing for 5,000 people um, and not working a, a regular job or, you know, having, you know, some, you know, primary source of income and using this as, you know, a hobby, you know, mm-hmm. or, or even, even if it's a paid hobby, but, you know, still a hobby. Um, you know, so just reeling back those expectations, that was huge for me because it, it that, that takes a huge mental shift to, and, and some people never get over that hump. A lot of them yeah. will, will be those ones that quit because, well, what's the point in playing for 20 people, you know, yeah. whereas, and I, and I did go through that, you know, it was like, you know, if there's only 20 people or a hundred people, you know, well, what's, what's the point, you know? Um, but once I was able to start shifting my mindset, then it was, okay, I'm going to show up and I'm going to rock those 20 people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And turns out that can be pretty fun. It can be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But even then it, that still has its own challenges because, you know, what if those 20 people aren't there to be rocked? They're just there to train spot you. Right, right. Or even if, you know, well, maybe half of them are smokers. So right. now you're down to 10 for part of the night. Right, and, right. Yeah, so you never know what's going to. Exactly. So, um, that was part of it. The other part of it was, you know, exactly like you said, you know, I'm a creative person and if I don't have a creative outlet, you know, all work and no play makes, you know, trip a a mean guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so I have to have that, that creative outlet. I've always been that way. Um, and when I was making those conscientious decisions to not, DJ and, and I'm, I'm cutting this out of my life and I'll figure something else out. Um, you know, I found that I, I had an itch that needed scratched, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and, and DJing was what I kept coming back to. Cause like I said, you know, I, um, because even though I had, uh, all of my stuff up on Craigslist at one point, nobody ever bid on it. So I always had my gear, always yeah. had my gear. So even when it, collected an inch of dust i was able to wipe it all off plug everything in and trusty techniques pioneer (laughs) gear always work (laughs) i swear these guys should be paying me (laughs) but uh no i um so that was part of it too is that just need having that need to be creative and i think Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of a lot of people who get into this without, um, without a genuine intention, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not truly creative people. They just see a bandwagon thing that, Oh, everybody's a DJ now. I should go do that and I'll get girls and I'll be able to party, you know, and uh, you know, those types of people will eventually flush themselves out. They'll always be there because there's always a fresh truck of those guys coming in. Um, but you know, they, they eventually fade out. And that's where I felt like I was starting to fade out, but that's, I didn't want to fade out. Like, Oh, okay. This is how I express myself. This is how I, 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 I scratched that creative itch. Nice. Um, another thing that got me back into it was getting back into producing. You know, I, Mm. I did some very, uh, elementary 
um, level production uh, back in the early 2000s and with another guy as I was learning from him. He was much better than I was. Um, quite similar to how Jack talked about his uh, relationship mm. with Mike in Random Movement. Um, and, uh, you know, it was very much the same for me. Like, you know, I, I was bringing this guy records and how do we do this? <laughs> so, you know, that's, right. that's how I learned. And, um, but then I gave it up for a while. Again, complacency with production because I was doing well with DJing, mm. you know, so I don't need to know that. Oh man, I'm feeling really called out all of a sudden. <laughs> story of my life (laughs) but you know so then years later as you know this as as djing kind of went by the wayside or i was not as interested in it and i was feeling complacent and you know just not okay yeah well whatever um then when i got back into producing and really taking the time to like learn things like sound design and music theory and and ableton and and all of that stuff then all of a sudden i felt Oh man, like I I can now not only write my own tunes, but then you know take that and and play my own tunes, you know. So so that's pretty awesome because it, it so it sounds like this is not something that you're prone to uh, having trouble with as far as getting too comfortable because even when you're yeah. You know, you shift from one thing to another. You, so you might express your creativity in your production work or or whatever. Yeah, for me, the the difficult part, you know, is is like, um, in in the recession point. You know, uh, for me, like, you know, I'll, I'll find that thing that you know helps really drive my creativity and you know helps me push things a little bit to the edge. But then, like, once I get into a groove and then everything, you know, mm. kind of starts, go- hey, you know, hitting, heading towards the deficit. And once I'm at the bottom of that recession, we're like, okay, well, all this other stuff that I've already learned, I already feel comfortable with it. What's the point, you know, mm. and then add in whatever external factors. And then it's just like, ah, well, crap. <laughs> and then it, those, those, that, that next thing always has a way of just coming and finding me, I think, yeah. you know, or, or I hear something and I'll go research it. And then all of a sudden that's what my, my mind latches onto. And then I'm off, off to the races. And it snaps you out of autopilot. Right. Autopilot <laughs> is the enemy that's of right. creativity guys. That's right. Um, yeah, I just, uh, final point to kind of bring this around, you know, if you're constantly evolving as a DJ, you're, way less likely to be replaced by, you know, an iPod or somebody's Spotify playlist. You know, you you can make better creative decisions, you can make better quote-unquote career decisions or however you, you know, approach your DJing. And so if I can give one final piece of advice, it's to keep keep the human element in DJing. It's the only element that technology can't take away from DJs. Yet. Yet. <laughs> this has been episode 57 of the Passionate DJ Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you don't mind, go to iTunes, look up Passionate DJ Podcast, and leave us a review. We really, really need them. This really helps us rank in iTunes and helps us grow the show. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week. Easy. 
Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Is that good or do I need to go again? <laughs> I think you should do that again. Because <laughs> I only touched the hit record right after you started. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know I won't be able to do it again now. I know, right? <laughs>